Welcome to the I Work For Him Power Pod. I'm Michael Miracle, producer for I Work For Him, the voice of the faith and work movement. We are on mission to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. Each quick listening power pod is designed with you in mind and jam-packed with kingdom resources to help you connect your faith and work. How will this impact your workplace? Let's find out right now. You know, we're all way too busy. But to most of us, our busyness is a badge of honor. We rush to do things all around us. The more we accomplish, quote unquote, the better we feel about ourselves. But what does God think? Is God a rushing God or an unhurried God? Does our leadership flow out of a deep relationship with God or the hurried, harried world that you and I live in? There is no question that the unhurried leader has deeper relationships all around and makes deeper impact for the kingdom long-term. Today, we battle this topic with Alan Fadling as we talk about his latest book, An Unhurried Leader. Alan Fadling, welcome to I Work For Him. All right, Alan, I want to really dig deep in this because this is something that, I mean, as you said, uh, you said our hurry was like a virus to the world? Yeah. That was really it's kind one, of, that was kind of harsh. I don't know. It's so it was, it's, it's painful, isn't it? <laughs> it I mean, is I don't terrible. Like it. This was an insight that a good friend of mine had. Um, you know that we didn't realize as we were bringing the good news to other cultures that we were bringing some of our own culture with us. And there's a way in which hurry is deeply embedded in the way we do what we do. Um, now there are holy versions of hurry. You know if if you got a two-year-old reaching up to a, a flame on the stove, you don't waltz your way over to the stove to, to deal with that. You hurry it up, you get your tail over there, and you solve it. And there are times with quick response and, and being very uh, quick to act is very important. But you can even do that from an unhurried soul as opposed to living energized by anxiety. So what I find is that a lot of times as I travel internationally, one of the things I'm always wanting to do is help these leaders in other developing world areas realize, you know, Jesus is the one who sets the pace for life and for leadership. And Jesus does what he does at the pace of grace. He does it at the pace of friendship and fellowship with the Father. He does it at the pace of relationship. And the thing is, relationships have a way of being inefficient if you do them well. They take time. <laughs> Wait a minute. And, Say that again. That was really good. That was tweetable right here. <laughs> well, it's it's the fact that relationships, and to broaden the category, love, which I think is the great commandment if I read the Bible right, that is a rather inefficient dynamic. Now, it's fruitful. It's productive. It's, it's effective to love, love God and to love our neighbor. But I'll tell you what, to do that well, very hard to say to someone, hey, I really want to love you. I got two and a half minutes. Relationships well, are inefficient. That is fantastic. Because it's so <laughs> true. If you look at what is wrong with the church today, the body of Christ, is that we are all so hurried, we, we're busy and we're hurried, that we've yeah. la- we lack relationships. And so the the fruit, the the light of our relationships isn't impacting our world. We've got nothing to show them that is different than what they have. And so they're not attracted. But if we had depth of relationships, that would be attractive, wouldn't it? Oh, it sure would be. I mean, I w- I've been reading the Gospel of John, and I've been coming through those chapters in the upper room. And one of the lines Jesus says is, they will know 
you are my disciples if you love one another. That's pretty staggering. That's the sign, he says, that will enable the world to look in and see that we are followers, his followers. We are like him. We're under his authority. We're under his leadership. The way they'll know is we love each other. And if if I'm right about relationships being inefficient, then maybe the things we put highest on our list of what we need to do as Christian leaders aren't the things Jesus would put up there. Maybe somehow what he would put up at the top of the list is arrange your life so that you can love God well, you can love your neighbor well. That might be the most productive way to do what you do. And that might involve reorganizing how you live your life and plan your days. You, you mean, there's so much about this. And I just love, that's why this book, An Unhurried Leader by Alan Fadling, is a book you need to get. It is because we all are suffering from this. And God is not in a hurry. If you've ever really yeah. been, if, if God has ever laid a call on your life, you know that he's not in a hurry to fulfill it. He he lays a call on it, and then he usually lets it germinate for a little while. He's not in a hurry. Mm-hmm. God's not in a hurry. Yeah. I, I, mean, I love it. So this is what you, you, you said this in your book, and I had to quote this. You said that, quote, hurried leaders are quick to do and slow to be. Quick to speak, but slow to listen. Quick to teach and slow to learn. Quick to lead, but slow to let God lead them beside still waters. Why is this plague so rampant in let's just say our country as we yeah. lead why is why yeah no it's it's a fair question i think so if you think about all those phrases that talked about being you know quick to they were all activity categories quick to do quick to speak quick to teach quick to lead and as i said earlier we have a tendency to think of our influence mostly in terms of stuff we do our activities And we fail to realize that one of our greatest sources of influence is who we are, and that's about receptivities. That's about relationships. Those things can't be hurried. You might be able to do a task three minutes faster than somebody else, but when it comes to relationships, that's the wrong ruler altogether. And our problem is that we tend to assume that we are what we do. We are our activities and in reality, our activities are always the fruit of something deeper. The, the deeper something is who we are in relationship with God, who we are as branches connected to a vine, who we are drawing what we need from another who's always there, always with us. And so those receptivities, the, that welcoming the generosity of God, that taking in the goodness that God is always extending to us, that then becomes the abundant and rich place from which I can do all kinds of amazing things, but I do them from a place of friendship with God, with a sense of God right there in the middle of it. And right there, the fruit of the Spirit, things like peace and joy and patience and gentleness will be abundant and not thin. Have you, Alan Fadling, as we talk about your book, An Unhurried Leader, have you ever studied the cultural context of this hurry? Have you ever studied the, I mean, why we as a nation are so defined by our hurry? Like, what is it about our nation that caused us to be that the virus, you know, spreader across the world of hurry? Yeah, there there are a few dynamics I think you can unpack. You know, there's one dynamic, which is, I think, one of the great gifts of our culture, you know, the the way in which we've taken in the Protestant work ethic. I think that's a 
gift. I think that's a strength. I think it is a good thing, and I think we overdo it. Just like any strength, you know, strengths can, and nominee is another uncomfortable word, they can become idols. They can become the focus of our lives instead of God being the focus of our lives. So I think that's one of the dynamics. It's just another way of saying, if we are what we do, then the more we do, the more we are. But if we are who God says we are, then what we do is a fruit of that. That's a very different dynamic. I think another reality that is true for our culture, but true for a lot of other cultures, too, is we've got all of these wonderful technologies that make it possible for us to get more done in less time. And there was a time 50 years ago where the experts were saying, oh, my goodness, what will we do with all the leisure we end up with when we <laughs> get our done, jobs done, not in 40 hours, but like 10 hours? What, what will we do with all this free time we have? Well, I don't know about you, but that's not the world I'm worried about 50 years later. What I have now is a world where my 40 hours a week has, has become compressed, and there's a density to it, and sometimes that density can feel like pressure. Sometimes that density can feel overwhelming. Sometimes that density can feel anxious. When I talk about unhurried, what I'm saying is, you know what? Jesus made space to stop, to rest, to listen to the Father, to pay attention to people. Now, we're to, you know, his influence is still here, right? 2,000 years later, we're having a radio conversation about him. There are a whole lot of other busy Romans of that day that nobody's talking about anymore. So my point is always the way Jesus does what he does, the way Jesus goes about his life and his work, watch that. Figure out how to follow that. The following him is not just doing things he does. It is, or saying things he says. It is that, too. But it's learning how to live the way he lives, his way. And my argument is that one of the ways to describe that way is unhurried. You know, I I agree, and I'm learning this as I get older. I'm seeing that. But you said in the book that prayer made you a better leader, not worse. How did prayer impact you as a leader in order to become an unhurried leader? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think part of it goes to when 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 we hear the word prayer— we probably have sort of a fixed idea of what that means. For me in the past, it's it's sometimes meant, and I don't think this is what the Scriptures mean it to mean, but for me it sometimes meant a sustained di- a monologue that I pointed at God, consisting of what bothered me and what I wanted God to do, and then, amen, I'm done. A mentor of mine said, you know, you've got to remember that prayer is not just something you do. Prayer is someone you're with. So when I talk about how prayer has enriched my life as a leader, what I'm saying is learning how to cultivate this relationship with God that the Christian life is all about, that we've always said it's about, cultivating that intentionally, prayer being a label for that dynamic, the kind of conversational, interactive relationship that we're invited to. That makes me a better leader because I begin to see things. We'll be right back with more from Alan Fadling, who wrote this book, An Unhurried Leader. Wow. The lasting fruit of daily influence. I think more than anything in this book, what I want you to hear is that relationships are built, but they're not built in a hurry. And that's what Alan is trying to communicate, that we need to model what Jesus modeled. And I want to give you a copy of this book. An Unhurried Leader, 877-943-9673. 
877-943-9673. If you are listening and you find yourself in a hurry, if you find yourself too busy for the people that God puts in your path, this is a book you need to read. 877-943-9673. Alan Fadling, as you wrote this book, An Unhurried Leader, how convicting was this for you and for those that were reading it? Because you have editors and proofreaders and things like that. How many people wrote you like, Alan, I don't want to proofread your book. That's good. <laughs> It's going to tick me off. Yeah, well, like I said, you know, most authors write the book they need, at least that's been my experience. And uh, there were a lot of points where I got stuck uh, in the writing of it because I realized I was I was meddling in my own uh, need for recovery. And I was I was kind of resistant and I was wrestling with how true is this? You know, is how true is it that following Jesus unhurried way would actually be better than all of the assumptions that I bring into my work that are sometimes more rooted in anxiety than peace, you know, more rooted in what will everyone think instead of rooted in what what does God think, what does God say, more rooted in, you know, sort of trying to control things rather than realizing I live in a kingdom that's well under control. Jesus is not frantic today about his kingdom. So how do we... How do we unhurry ourselves? How do we unhurry our thoughts? And, and and I love how you said right before the break, we're talking about how prayer impacted you as a hurried leader to become unhurried. How do we unhurry our thoughts? Because that's what I find when I'm praying. I find I got too much on my list to pray about, other people, things yeah. that are going through, but I'm in a hurry. I know that I've only got a half hour or I only have an hour. I, I find myself in a hurry. How do we unhurry our thoughts? Is there like a secret formula? <laughs> a secret formula. Well, <clears throat> I can't come on, we're running out of time. Be hurry, hurry it up. Come on, hurry. I'm just kidding. Yeah, here's the seven magical points for you know. No, I think part of it is. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, been, That's good. Uh, you know, to start with a sense of first of all, would unhurrying my thoughts help me, or am I attached to a frantic, racing way of thinking that I'm not really willing to give up? I think you have to start there. Would slowing down a little bit so I can see things at less of a blur? Would slowing down so I can see people as people and not as either obstacles to what I'm trying to accomplish or resources to use as I'm trying to accomplish, which is an incredibly thing-oriented way to work instead of a people-oriented way. But then when you decide that, that, yeah, I'd like to move in that direction, then you have to start asking yourself, what will it look like to open up some little spaces here and there, or instead of doing something else, I even take five minutes in a busy day to stop and say what? To say thank you, for example. Thank you is an unhurried practice. Usually we're running on to the next thing that needs to get done, but even just a moment to say, ah, Lord, thanks for how you've been with me so far. That'll slow you down in a holy and healthy way. Or taking a moment in the car to pray. In the sense of being with God, not in the sense of listing 10 things you want God to do. It's all of the different ways we can open up little porous spaces in our dense days to remember that the biggest reality going on is not all the stuff I'm doing, but the all the stuff God's doing. And I can learn in a lot of different little ways to wake up more and more to that reality. And it does, it takes time. I mean, this is a mentoring kind of thing. This is a discipleship thing. It takes some time. Yeah. 
I love, this is probably the thing that touched me most about your book. You wrote in there, and I don't remember which page it was on, but I, I remember getting it out of the book, so I know it's yours. It, but it was huge. Unhurried leadership gives sufficient attention to the process whereby God fills me to overflowing. It is the fruit of overflow rather than the pouring out of the last few drops of whatever we have on our own to give. When we are unhurried, leaders abiding in the true vine we lead from divine fullness in order to bless the emptiness around us rather than leading from emptiness as we look for fullness somewhere other than in the one who gave his life. How often do you see leaders leading from emptiness instead of fullness? Yeah, well, sadly, I've been that leader too many times. Um, I think it happens a lot. I think a way I would summarize what happens is, you know, Jesus said uh, in John 7, are you thirsty? Come to me. If you trust me, it'll be as though rivers of living water flow from within you. And so the amazing thing Jesus does there is, he says, bring me a water deficit, thirst. I will transform it into a river of living water, abundance. And I think what happens for leaders, and again, position or just in our relationships, we bring our thirst to our work rather than bringing our thirst to Jesus. If we'd learn how to slow down a little and bring our thirst for recognition, for meaning, for purpose, uh, for value, for whatever it is our souls are thirsty for, if we'd learn how to bring that to Jesus, we would then have an abundance to bring to our work. So instead of needing the work to go some exact way to feel good about it, I'd already come to it from a place of peace and well-being and abundance and I'd have extra to pour into it. I do amazingly better work from a place of peace than I do from a place of anxiety. But sadly, anxiety has often driven my days uh, in a very hurried way. Can you think of a current leader, somebody that's actually of notoriety, that leads from a place of overflowing as opposed to leaving from a pl- leading from a place of emptiness? Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to probably resist naming a particular name. I might be able to think of some, but I'm going to do the Sunday school thing. And I say, I think actually seeing Jesus live this way is what we need. Um, there are a lot of ways in which I think there are leaders I know of who make space in their schedule to enjoy God, who make space to listen well and aren't just frantically running here and there. But I think the reason they've been able to cultivate that kind of way of life is they've, they've come to the realization that it's not their own empire that they're building. Um, they're a part of an even bigger kingdom than maybe their organization. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field. But ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him Power Pod with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Want more? Hear the full broadcast at IWorkForHim.com. Stay connected and receive power pack content when you sign up for our blog at IWorkForHim.com or follow us on social media at IWorkForHim. And finally, if today's message inspired you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review helps launch more workplace missionaries across the nation. That's at I Work For Him and online, IWorkForHim.com.